0: Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're going to take off where we left. We're going to take off where we left off. That works. Last week. And we're talking about when God multiplied the bread. And I I want to recap just a little bit for those of you who were not here last week because this is building on last week's uh, message and... Um, and, and if you missed last week's message, I encourage you to grab, encourage you to grab the podcast and, uh, and take a listen because I feel like this is something that is really important for us to grab a hold of. And I want you to say this word with me if you would. I want to just start with this word, and that word is balance. Balance. It's a good word. It's a beautiful word. I'd like to win that word back a little bit. Um, but, but that's what this message really is about. And we, we started last week, as I, as I shared with you, Jesus is coming back. The disciples come to Jesus, and they've just gone out on outreach. Jesus has just sent them out in twos, and, and this is coming back from that, that time. And they're reporting to Jesus before the Scripture of all the things that they themselves taught. The disciples are coming, and they're telling Jesus, hey, here, this is what we said, and, and this is what we did, and this is how it went. And Jesus says to them, so they're reporting all the good stuff, and they've, and they've done a great outreach, and they've been busy, and they've been up to what God asked them to be up to. And Jesus says to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat, and they went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. That's as far as we got last week because we expounded quite a bit on how beautiful it is that God himself, Jesus, is demonstrating to the disciples, disciple means learner, it's a lifelong learner, he's, he's demonstrating, teaching, and speaking to the disciples about what it is to be absolutely a blessing and blessed and able to run the race that he's given them on earth. And you guys know that he's entrusting the entire kingdom message to these particular 12 guys. And so he takes these particular 12 guys and they come home and they're pumped up. They're excited. Kingdom is happening. Good things are going on. People are coming. They don't have the problem of like, hey, would you like to come and, you know, try out my church sometime? No, they're busting in the doors, you know. Where's this rabbi? This guy's healing people. We can't wait. Come on. They're pushing in. They're pushing in. And many of us at that point would say, Jesus, uh, you know, I'm really good with websites. I'm going to build a website and a podcast so we can make sure we get this message out there because revival is happening. Jesus, uh, hey, you know what? I'm going to start a uh, ministry so that we can start a assimilating these people immediately, and a couple of them be like, hey, I'm really good at building, let's build a church right here, and I think we could fill this thing to 10,000. I think we could have a mega church here, right here in Jerusalem or near Jerusalem. Jesus says, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while, for there were many people coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat, and then they went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. Jesus understood that there's a balance Jesus understood that in this particular, and I'm not against mega churches. If we become a mega church, I think that'd be a lot of fun. I think it'd be challenging and fun, and we would do it if that's what God calls. So I mean, this isn't a message against megachurches, but this is a message about balance. This is a message about what Jesus was doing in this season. And when the disciples came, he said, you guys are tired, and you're tired from doing good things. Come away with me and rest a little while. How many of you guys are excited that we serve a God who cares about us resting? Now, the whole message last week was about that, was about the fact that many of us don't take a boat ride with Jesus. It's not part of our, it's not part of our flow. It's not part of our schedule. It's not part of our lifestyle. And, and I suggested to you last week, and I'm suggesting it again this week. In fact, I'm declaring it that Jesus provides boat rides to a secluded place every single day. That it's part of the flow, the balance of your life. You work very, very hard and you rest. And you do that each day. Even right now, your heart is beating and resting and beating and resting and beating and resting. Your lungs are expanding and they're collapsing. They're expanding and they're collapsing. And because of that pendulum, because of that balance within you, you are actually alive if we lose that balance we actually begin to die don't we and many of us we've we've caught this idea of this this we're either all on or we're all off and and the idea of balance doesn't really it doesn't really it just doesn't compute with us. We're just like, at some point, we got excited. We, we had one of these kind of outreaches. We caught the revelation of his love, and we're like, 24-7 for Jesus, and that's how I'm going to do, and I'll rest when I'm dead. And you're like, well, that is true. You will also be dead much earlier than what Jesus has planned, you know? And actually, that's also not true because there's work in heaven. I just completely contradicted myself, but it is true. We won't just be resting naked with harps in heaven. There are jobs to do in heaven. Jesus speaks often saying, you did good job here. Now take control over 10 cities in heaven. So there's work in heaven. So this balance thing is pretty important. Are you guys rolling with me? All right. So many of us catch the revelation of rest because we've been 24-7 for Jesus and we got excited and we're doing all this stuff and we're just working and working and praying and praying and even our prayer times are exhausting. You know, Father, I just want to pray, Lord Jesus, that everybody would just get on board with what you're doing, God. They just need to hurry up because time is short, Jesus. And we don't even rest in our rest times. And eventually, you know, you just, you're ha, 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 and at that point, you you kind of get the rest revelation by default because you're sick. You can't move. You're just, you're just, you know, for me, the only time I would rest is when I would get a sinus infection. Ask my wife. I would work 16-hour days until I just crashed. And then I would crash for about 24 hours, and I would just like hide under a pillow because I you ever get a bad sinus infection. I couldn't see light. I just ugh. And then I would finally rest and then I would get up and I'd be like, oh good, the Lord's healed me and I'd go do it again until I hit the wall. And eventually, the Lord started to talk to me and he said, you know, what you're doing is not wise. Come away with me into a secluded place and rest. And then he began, and, and so then I, I caught it. I'm like, that's amazing. Let's sell everything. And let's just enter into Rest. And so, obviously, say the word balance again for me, would you? Okay, that's what this, this, what this is about, is balance. And so, I'm like, well, then let's just rest 24-7. You know? Let's go somewhere where there's no electricity. There'll just be a spring and sheep. That sounds like work. Forget the sheep. Just a spring and a garden. And Karen doesn't like to rest as much as me so she can take care of the garden. And so, how many of you know this is not balance? This is not balance. This is now, because let me tell you something when you do nothing but rest, there's another word for that. It's lazy, it just is. I'm just excited that this house is free enough to just call it what it is. You weren't even gentle, you weren't even tender, you weren't like, oh, well, maybe it's uh, just not as much wisdom at this time. No, it's just lazy. It's just straight up lazy. You've become lazy and you're spiritualizing it. You're like, no, because I worked really hard for Jesus and I had leaders that didn't understand me and they rode me like a pony until I couldn't walk anymore and I have been hurt by those people and I will, the Lord will let me know when he wants me to get involved again and until then, if I accidentally do some ministry, that's probably the Lord. Otherwise, I am not signing up for anything. You don't have to raise your hand if you're in that place. So, <laughs> we already know you're on a list. I'm just kidding. <laughs> or am I? <laughs> okay. So, we're talking about balance. And you know what? I think everyone in this room has been, has, has had their little, you know, we've all been stuck. We've all been in the work area. We've all been in the lazy area. We spiritualized it, but it was lazy. We got lazy. We got tired, we got hurt, and you probably were sick. I mean, the truth is, when you do burn yourself out, it might take more than one weekend. You might need to take a sabbatical, but a sabbatical has an end to it, and then you get back to the flow, all right? So, So here's what we're looking for is balance. We're looking for balance, and Jesus is demonstrating that. He's demonstrating that to the disciples right now, and I wanna demonstrate that that's where we are right now. We have, in each day, the opportunity to live a balanced life. I, I, I always like to be practical, and I, and I don't really apologize for it. The boat ride with Jesus is absolutely important. The supernatural part of this life is that you, as Jason said, you have access to the presence of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. You and I have access to the presence of Jesus Christ. We can be filled with the same power that raised Christ from the dead, is working mightily in us, according to the Scriptures. And Paul says to us, "Be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit," which means there's an active infilling that's happening. And in, in fact, in the very beginning, our first interaction with the Holy Spirit is that Jesus says, "Go and wait." Until you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and then, and then you will become my witnesses. All right? And then later we see in Acts that they're filled again with the Holy Spirit after that first time. So right away in the first couple of chapters, we got two infillings of the Holy Spirit. And then later, as we continue to walk, we see that we must be ye being. It's a verb. Be filled, and then be filled again, and then be filled again, and then be filled again, and then be filled again. Why? Because we leak. Because we're created to do that. We're created to leave the the beauty and the scent and the glory and the blessing of God wherever we go. And we do, but we must be refilled. And when do we do that? We do that in the boat with Jesus. We go away to a secluded place with Jesus. Or, not or. And most times, that secluded place starts in the morning. I want to be very practical. It starts in the morning. You know, I've noticed, and, 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 I, and I, I know there are some that would say, I'm just not good in the mornings. Jesus doesn't want what I have in the morning. It wouldn't bless him. And, and I would say, I think actually no one's good at mornings. I think everybody is bad at mornings. I just think some of us are even worse <laughs> at mornings. But, but here's what the psalmist says. He says, early in the morning, my song will rise to you. There is something about, I think it's a precedent, but there's something about meeting with Jesus in that boat in the morning, that he's the first one you're interacting with. I've tried to be the first one who interacts with Karen in the morning. I gave her back to Jesus. And I have never regretted that. You guys think that I'm joking. That's because it is so supernatural what God does with Karen during that first 20 minutes in the morning. And you know what? The truth is, that's for all of us. I'm I'm actually not even being flippant. My wife hates mornings. I feel it's important to divert from my message and tell you this story. When Karen and I first got married, it was so wonderful, the most beautiful bride that's ever lived. And so we move into our little apartment, and we're back from our honeymoon, and we wake up in the morning, and, and I'm like, I'm one of those, okay, there's a proverb for me that I remind myself, and it's this. It says, when you bless your neighbor too loudly in the morning, it is a curse. (laughs) Did you know that's in the Proverbs? I read that, and I was like, come on. (laughs) Me and Jeff both have to remind ourselves that that's a proverb, because people don't feel as blessed by us as we think they should, because we're like, good morning, how's it going? And you're like, you're yelling at me in the morning? You don't even hear anything. You just hear yelling. At any rate, so that's me. So Karen comes in, and she is just like, you know, did you guys guys ever watch Looney Tunes, Tasmanian Devil? You know? (laughs) And I was like, I mean, seriously, I I thought we were dealing with something spiritual. I was like, I just started casting demons out. That didn't work. So I was like, baby, are, are you sick? She's like, no. And I said, well, are you? I'm really enjoying this, Karen. I hope you're having fun. I said, Are you, are you, did I do something wrong? Said, no, I said, Well, why are you mad? She goes, I'm not mad. And I go, You seem mad. She's like, It's morning. Like, as though that's the whole answer. It's morning. And I go, Wait, are you telling me you're like this every morning? <laughs> and she's looking at me like, Are you telling me that this is even a question? Like, or, you know, well, we've never been together in the morning. How do we know? And so I'm like, This is a decision. And she's looking at me like, you're making one. And so I said, no, seriously, like, you're making a decision. Like, just because you've always been grumpy in the morning and your family has been okay with that, you're choosing this right now. You're actually choosing this right now. And she's like, I was born like this. I was, you need to read your Bible. So I told Karen, I said, okay, well, I'll compromise. I will compromise. You can either... To try harder in the morning and I'll go somewhat easy on you. But if you are grumpy in the morning, I'm going to tickle you until you're in a good mood. And she's like, are you serious? And I said, why don't you try me? And so anyway, we made a compromise. I never had to tickle her because I really don't think that would have worked. I think that she would have killed me. Um, but something did click in that time. And, and the truth is too, I had to dial it back. Like it's not fair for me to jump up and be praising Jesus in Karen's ear in the morning because she's a little slower on the on the, on, the, on the starting point, but here's, here's my point. You guys all have met my wife, and you know what an extraordinary, honorable, fun, kind woman that she is. But I'm telling you, she doesn't pop out of the bed that way. And so I'm just saying that my wife, who hates mornings, is able to get up and shames me in the area of consistency and character. She shamed me right into following her track. There came a point where I looked at Karen's life and this was in the midst, this was before I was a pastor. Let me throw that out there. But while I, well, actually, now I'm going to say the next thing and be like, that better have been. Anyway, while I'm a workaholic and alcoholic and having all these addictions, and my wife is living so good in spite of me. And I said, and I came up to her and I said, Karen, you live better than me. You live better than me, which wasn't a surprise to her. And I said, and I said, I honestly I want to know how come you live better than me because you and I are living the same life and you're married to me so I know how hard this is so how come you live better than me and you know what the difference was is that my wife wakes up in the morning and she spends her first 20 minutes with the Lord and she reads the word and she prays and she spends that time with God that was the difference everything else flows from that point point. and you know what She lived so much better than me that I thought, well, shoot, it can't hurt. I can't be any worse than I am. And so I started following her lead. I started getting into the boat and making a decision to begin my day with the Lord. To actually, because here's what was going on, guys. I had a very natural problem. I was a jerk. I was selfish. I was broken. I was full of unforgiveness. And I was addicted to a whole bunch of painkillers because I couldn't get rid of my pain. And you guys know I needed a supernatural answer for this problem. And the supernatural answer is, Jesus is in that boat. So he called me into that boat. And as I began to spend time with him, and this is the supernatural part. See, oftentimes we want the answer to be really complicated because the problem is such a bummer, and we've waited so long to solve it that we're like, well, it must be really, really complicated. This must be complex, Like, I could probably lay this out for you, but it would take hours, and I know you wouldn't know the answer. But then we begin to look at the wisdom of what Jesus says, and he says, come away with me. And he quiets us in his love, and he fills us again with the Holy Spirit as we meditate on the Word, and as we're with him and in his presence, he fills us again with his Holy Spirit. That's the supernatural part. He's a supernatural God, and you know what it does? It begins to change us in spite of what we feel, in spite of how it's going in that moment. We begin to become satisfied. We begin to become people of peace. When we quiet ourselves, I love that Jason said, let's just be still for a moment. We've forgotten how to be still. You know what? He's absolutely right. When we make ourselves still, in fact, the word says, be still and know that I am God. Do you know what happens in us when we're still and know that he's God? All of a sudden we go, wait a minute, this is the story and all these current events on CNN and Fox News are just the footnotes. We get it the other way around. We're like, oh, what does the Bible have to say about what's really going on? No, 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 no. The Bible's what's going on. Jesus is in the midst of doing exactly what he said he would do. And when I'm still with him, when I get into the boat with him, I am supernaturally filled with the peace of God, even if he doesn't give me the answer right then. He reminds me that he is the answer right then. Even if I don't have a solution yet, he reminds me that I'm with the one who is the solution. And I begin to change. In fact, I changed so much that the Lord said, I want you to take care of other people. I want you to begin to equip. I've called you to become an equipping minister. You guys, most of you have met me at this point. But if you'd have met me at that point, you'd be traumatized right now. It's ridiculous. It's supernatural. Are you guys tracking with me? So let's get to the second part of the preach, shall we? When we get into the boat and we rest with Jesus, He begins to change us. We come into a place of peace and strength. The people saw them going And many recognized them, and they ran there together on foot from all the cities, and they got there ahead of them. And when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them. Just a sec. Something that I've been practicing is not going ahead of Jesus. And the truth is, all of us can become really good at what we do and actually get so good at what we do that we're the only one doing it anymore. I don't want to do that. I have noticed that when I try to get ahead of what Jesus is doing or do whatever it is that I'm doing in spite of whatever he's doing, a lot less transformation in people's hearts. And, minds. and so I've been practicing waiting on what he's doing. It's not always pretty on my behalf. It's always beautiful on his behalf. But we're on a journey together, and so I'm sharing my process right now in learning how to walk at the pace that Jesus is walking. And all of us are called to do that. Sometimes we don't have the next thing to say. Sometimes we don't know what the next thing is that we should do. Everybody in this room is in full-time ministry. Everybody in this room has been called to care for families, to care for cities, to care for yourself, to care for your home, to care for your school, to care for your job, to care for your employees, to care for, your, for those things that have been entrusted to you by another person. Uh, another person in whatever sphere you're in. And in the midst of that, we are all learning to wait on the Lord and to respond. To rest in what He's saying and to obey what He's saying. To step away and then to step back to it. And every one of us is learning how to do that. For many of us, because of well, I don't even know if there's a deficit, but many of us have learned, let me say it that way, many of us have learned to sort of be the answer man in our own life or the answer woman in our own life. It's like, okay, I'm in this situation. What's the answer? Let me check my principle list. Principle lists are really, really good. Principle lists teach you attributes of how God is. But I want us all to catch a hold of this. He's here. He's in you. He's active by the Holy Spirit. And so when you're in the midst of something, in that moment, you get to simply say, Jesus, I know that you're with me always. And I'm not sure what to do next. Do you have anything to say about that? It's okay for that to become our first response because it's completely relational with Jesus Christ. He wants us to look to him before we look to our list about him. Many of us are in the habit, not all of us, but many of us are in the habit that we look at our list before we look to him. It takes all the relationship out of it. It puts all the pressure on us. And essentially what we end up doing is boiling our relationship down to how good at Jesus trivia I am in a moment of decision. And we miss out on the reality that the same power that that raised Christ from the dead is working in us, transforming us, but also causing us to be able to do supernatural things in the midst of the situation that we're in. And God cares very deeply about you hearing his voice and walking through with him and your child while they're learning how to sleep through the night. And your child is different than the other seven billion children in the earth. So a principle at that moment isn't going to help you but Jesus will. I needed Jesus to walk with me while I was waiting to find out how a little girl was going to do because I was driving a float that ran over her leg. I didn't need a principal in that moment. I needed Jesus. Is this encouraging? So here's our beautiful Jesus. Jesus. There's another half of this sermon that I'm just not going to be able to preach to you today because I feel like this is where, this is it. This is the message. This is the message. Jesus is calling us in to a place of balance where we're able to rest with him and we're able to work with him. We're able to come away with him and hear how to respond in the situation that we're in and that that's a part of our natural life. He is saying to us right now, come up here. He is is taking a moment right now to say this to us. What you're doing is not wise. Come here, and I'll teach you the rhythms of grace. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you... That's right. Not only does he give us rest, but then he also... Says, but my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He also gives us a work, but it's his kind of work and it's done his way. And his way is the unhurried rhythms of grace. His way is supernatural. His way changes us as we do it. This is what we've been invited into. This is the kingdom of which we're a part. This morning we're going to Um, Well, Doug, you had something. Why don't we just bring you a microphone? Oh, check it out. This is exciting. There's a sign and a wonder. I think
1: we got it. Then I want to illustrate what Joshua was just talking about. I had back surgery two weeks ago and I've had 40 days prior to that I was in so much pain I basically was flat on my back for 40 days and I have cried out to God for healing I mean I begged I literally have had thousands of people pray for me I wouldn't exaggerate and this morning when Jason came up and said let's just be quiet I said, Lord, I want to receive what you have for me, not what I think I need. And sometimes God gives us what we need, not what we think we need. In that seeking him, not a principle, but him, he gives us what we really need. So I'm back in my little plastic recliner and I felt God come and begin to massage my pain. And I said, well, Lord, why don't you just take the pain? I mean, I just love this for this pain to be gone. I, I just felt his hand gently massaging me. And he says, because if I did that, you'd just go on about your work and you'd forget pretty soon. But I want you today, what you need is to know the depths of my love in a very practical here, I just want to come and massage, and I want to hurt with you. I want to massage your pain. He gave me what I needed, even though that's not what I thought I needed. And I moved in that, seeking him, not a principle, a step closer in the depth of his love for me more than I did what I wanted, and that's what I wanted the pain to be gone. And are we willing to receive What he knows we need rather than what we think we need. I think that's better. Amen.
0: This morning, uh, Debbie sent me a text. She said, I'm seeing a picture of Jesus healing chronic pain this morning agonizing, debilitating, chronic type pain that up to now has only bowed to painkillers, muscle pain, joint tendons, nerve damage and such, with a diagnosis of getting worse, the kind that demands attention and disables hope. I see a healing pool being stirred by intercession of those who have a testimony of those types of healings and for the afflicted to place hands on their own minds and hearts for kingdom adjustments and then their places of pain. It's kind of a cool testimony having not received that text. I got that text this morning at 9.27. And then Emily came up to me during worship and said, I feel like somebody's in pain in their knee specifically and that God wants to heal pain today. So I think it seems that God is still alive and well and speaking to his people this morning. I think that's a good thing. I want to make room for God to do that. We want to make room for God to do that so here's what we're going to do would there be a couple of you who have been healed from debilitating pain that could come up and share about a 30-second testimony of God healing you from that just if you'd come right now maybe three or four of you 30-second testimony just tell us what it was and how God healed it and uh, Tom I'd like you to be one of them because I know you've been healed from in fact you can start I want to I do have some direction today these guys are going to share some testimonies if you need to receive that testimony if you need to receive from God that healing when they share that testimony that corresponds to your pain I just want you to stand up if you're able and then or if, if you're not able then raise your hand and then when you're healed then stand up okay does that make sense? So we're just going gonna, to gonna open it up. I want to be clear. I, I don't want anybody to... This is not directed at you, Pastor. You're already good at sharing testimonies. But I don't want anybody to come up and teach or preach. I, I, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just saying oftentimes we want to share lots of stories, and that's beautiful, but this isn't that moment. I want you to just share this is what was going on. This is how long it lasted, and this is how God healed it. Okay? Does that make sense? So I want to welcome you to do that. And... Um, so we're going to do that right now. Pastor Tom, would you come and share? And who's, who's the next one? Who's somebody who has been healed from debilitating pain? You've, God has moved in your body. Just come, come on up as you go. Pastor Tom will start.
2: When I was uh, 25 years old, I was uh, struck with rheumatoid arthritis that left me crippled in my uh, left elbow and my left knee. And God showed me two things, uh, a miracle and then his healing process. And when I was about 34, I was struck with an incurable disease called Ryder's syndrome. But I went down to the Happy Hunters with the, uh, the arthritis deal, and I went down because I wasn't really sure if I believed in it. I've just saved. But I thought I haven't got nothing to lose. I'm already crippled. If they're fakes, they're fakes. So I went down. The guy comes up to me, uh, Charles, said, what do you need, son? I said, i got rheumatoid arthritis in my left knee. He just slapped me on the knee and said, be healed in Jesus' name. Just walked on down to the next person. Well, the doctors told me that I would not walk on this leg by the time I was 30. Well, I've never had a pain since since in that leg. I walked out there healed. Come on. With the the writer's syndrome, it was a year battle. The pain that I endured was a year. But the doctors told me it was incurable. And I knew that Jesus would heal me and could heal me if I stood and, and believed. So I did what Doug's been doing. I cried out to God, and I believed the word, quoted the word into my heart. And almost one year later, I've been pain-free for, I don't know, 25 years from that. So there was a miracle happening instantly, and then there was a year battle. But I'm perfectly sound. I don't have a pain in my body.
0: Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, God is rather creative, so we're going to go with pain in your feet. You don't have to have had Reiter's syndrome, but if you have foot pain or rheumatoid arthritis, God has healed that in this man. He's miraculously healed that in this man. And if that's you, I want you to just stand up for a moment. If that's you, if you have pain in your feet or if you have arthritis, just stand up. And then I just want you to just test out, just test it out, just do something that you couldn't do a moment ago and see where the pain's at. See if it's still there. Just just let, let Jesus. Oftentimes we just do something. And God meets us right there. It's, you know, it's as, we, as we do that. And if you feel a difference, then raise your hand. If you're feeling pain going away. If you're feeling God moving. Is there warmth? Is there something going on as you feel and begin to move? I just want you to just raise your hand that you can feel something happening. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Jesus for your presence thank you Jesus for your presence hallelujah thank you God thank you God some of you are going to feel warmth just begin to come over that part of your body the other word of knowledge was, uh, was from Emily and you can feel free if you, if you want to sit down, you can, but I want you to just pay attention to that place of your body. I want you to pay attention to that place. Father, we speak to these, these places in the body that you've healed before. We know that what you've done once, you will do again. Lord, our hope is simply in you. It is completely and totally in the blood of Jesus Christ. Our faith is not in our own faith. Our faith is in you, Jesus. Ke. Kelar. Kelar. Is anybody feeling anything different? Is the, was there pain there that's gone away? or how are we doing? You shouldn't have shared the year-long testimony, Tom. <laughs> I want you to keep me posted on what God's doing in your body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going we're to continue to minister, and um, I'm not asking anybody to leave. But if you do need to leave today, one thing I do want to remind you of is that if it is in your heart to sow into Pastor Red's trip to, uh, to China, he's going to be at the back today. And uh, there's a basket there that we can help support him as he goes on outreach. I was asking Pastor Red today, I think I heard his feelings a little bit, because I was thinking he was 78, but he's not 78 yet, he's 77. But all I know is that when I'm 77, I want to be Red Crab. How awesome is that? Going on outreach at 77, and he only looks a good, what, late 50s? We love you, Pastor Red. We know that you're going to do an amazing job out here working with, with these students. We're excited about that. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue with testimonies. And if you need to go, you're, you're released to go. But we're going to continue because I believe God's going to continue and he's going to heal some people today. Go ahead.
3: Um, I had the first of nine knee surgeries when I was 16. And um, again, then when I was 19. And anyways, I've had numerous surgeries. When I was 35, um, my knees were just—I couldn't hardly walk. I was actually in a wheelchair, and um, my husband and my two children, were four and five, um, at this time when I was uh, thirty-five. And um, never underestimate the power of prayer of a child. Uh, my kids have prayed me through many painful nights, Come on. many times. And there was one particular time when my knees were really hurting terribly bad. And um, Jeffrey uh, was five and he came over and he put his hand on my knee and he said, just take the knee away, just take her knee. And so I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, man, Jeff, you've got faith. I really want him to take this knee away. Well, he did. I had a total knee replacement (laughs) at 35. And that's a knee that's man-made. And I know that this man-made knee is gonna be restored by the Creator. And I'm gonna have a new knee. And so I just encourage you that, you know I've been in pain for many, many, many years. And uh, sometimes I don't look forward to turning 70. If I feel this much pain now, how's it gonna be when I'm 70 or 80? But I know that this life is temporary. And even though it feels like years and years and years of pain, and it has been, I've got an eternity where there's no pain. Amen
0: Do yeah. we have maybe one more testimony? You've been healed of something?
3: I had cancer in the throat and I was healed from that. And I feel like I keep getting run over. Keep getting run over.
0: Oh, run over.
3: Um. Then a year later I had a stroke, and I was healed from that in four days. Mm -hmm. And then my knee swelled up like this and had water on it and I've been healed from that but you know I always think what's next (laughs) (laughs) but you know I know I have an almighty God that's taking care of me and whatever he throws at me I'm an overcomer
0: amen that's a good word the faithfulness of God Well I want to ask the prayer servant team to come and if you need prayer if you're not receiving uh, if you haven't received what you're looking for today if you're, if you're needing encouragement if you're needing a, a word of exhortation comfort we want you to come and get prayer and maybe you're contending for something I've been healed instantly and then I've had other healings like Tom that I had to contend for some time and we certainly want to agree in prayer that God would bring healing in your body or an encouragement of any kind that you're looking for May God bless you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And may he give you peace. May you rest in him this day and this week. And may you work with him this day and this week. And may he multiply the blessing that comes through your life. Amen. You're dismissed.